and a warm Easter season greeting to all of you. Uh, welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. He is still risen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Risen indeed. He is, yes, he is. <laughs> and so thank you for joining us for our uh, first Pastor Mike Drop Podcast of the Easter season. Uh, we just wrapped up a wonderful journey through Lent mm-hmm. and Holy Week services at Hope were what do the cool kids say? Off the charts. Charts? Off the chain. Off the no, chain. Off the chain. That, I was trying I'm to be even cooler. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But we are here to talk about John chapter 1 to 7 and 2 Samuel today because that is our assigned readings in the whole Holy Bible in a year. And Emily, we have some super guests, one returning, one making her debut. Yes, our debut, Corey Forsey, one of our pastoral interns. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be great. And next to you, Jamie Richards, Revive Young Adult Minister. Hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us on today. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, Jamie. Welcome, Corey. Good to have you around the table and good to have all of you around the table too. pull up a chair. We've got some questions that we take from Mm -hmm. you and uh, you can also uh, send in your questions Mm -hmm. uh, on the comment section of YouTube or where else? Facebook. Are Are we checking all those? Yep. All right. Kelsey's here. Thank you, Kelsey. Thanks to our studio crew. Uh, Let's get into it. Ted Lasso, help kick us off. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. Okay. From our Old Testament readings, what does 2 Samuel 7 have to do with the Jesus we meet in John's gospel in the New Testament? Jamie? Yes. Okay. This is such a fun question because it's in this section of scripture that we begin to see how the entire Bible points to Jesus. Yes. That this Bible is not just one, you know, book of many books that don't really have anything to do with each other, Mm -hmm. that things are all connected in scripture. And so at the very end of, we're here in uh, chapter seven, we're talking about some prophecy Mm -hmm. and some covenant that God is making with David. And so in verses 12 through 16, particularly, um, through the prophet Nathan, God is talking to David about his son. And in one way that's talking about Solomon, but then there's other parts of the scripture where he's actually talking about Jesus and David Uh is establishing a new relationship with David here saying, you will be on the throne Mm -hmm. forever, that your line will be on the throne forever. And so that's why in the new Testament and the genealogies, those lists of Uh names that Uh it's so easy to just, you know, have your eyes gloss over and skim past they're connecting Jesus to King David. Anybody hearing that would have sat up really straight and been like, wait, this guy is from the line of King David. So that's what we're doing here. We're, we're drawing some really cool lines. Yeah. Yeah. David, David is coming before God saying, I want to build a house for you. I want to build a temple for you. That's the beginning of second Samuel seven. And that's a big deal. It still is to this day. Uh, The temple being the place, especially in old Testament times where the people of God believed that's where God would reside. And until, until this time, God has been residing uh, in the Ark of the Covenant, which is housed in the tabernacle, which is mobile. I mean, it it really is an on-the-move kind of unit Mm -hmm. as the people of God are wandering through the wilderness uh, post-Exodus. But now they're getting to the point where they finally established a unified kingdom. They finally have a, for now, he won't stay this way, but for now, a consistent leader Mm -hmm. uh, and king in David, uh, a heroic king, a a warrior king, a faithful king, a king that we read about later in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. So David says, I want to build you a house. And the same Hebrew word that's translated house in a lot of our English translations comes back the other way. And God says, no, 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 actually, I'm going to build a house for you. But of course, like you're saying, Jamie, God doesn't just want to build... He's not talking about a physical home so Mm -hmm. much as God is talking about, 
I want to build a kingdom for you. I, I want to build a, a covenant. And so this, this is mm-hmm. the Davidic covenant. This is the chapter of the Bible where God makes this covenant with David that continues and, and is ultimately fulfilled when Jesus shows up and mm-hmm. makes his yeah. appearance as, wait for it, the son of David, right. uh, the, the one who comes. And so we aren't, again, I just, I get goosebumps when I think about this because it's just so cool. I mean, yes. it truly is. When we read about Jesus in the New Testament, we're reading about a Jesus who has deep roots. I mean, deep yeah. roots into the Old Testament. And the more we know the Old Testament, the more we're going to yeah. see those connections. And we're going to get a deeper sense for the depth of the nature and the identity and how Jesus fulfills all these prophecies, which, which adds to the significance. And for John, the way it connects to John, John wants us to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. so it helps us believe in this Jesus because he's so deeply rooted. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, Looking to John, uh, new this week, what's different right from the start uh, about the Gospel of John compared to Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Corey. Yeah. Um, I love this question because I think it's really important to understand the way that John approaches this differently in that we have we have a story where we start at Jesus's ministry and we have a story that starts at Jesus's birth and we have a story that starts at Jesus's genealogy and John says, we need to start at the beginning mm-hmm. and an understanding that Jesus Jesus is not just human. Therefore, we start at conception or birth, but, and Jesus is not just the son of David. So, we fill in those, that genealogy gaps, but more so Jesus is God. And so, he was there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so, this, this poetry that we read and we're like, what in the world does that mean? In the beginning was the word. And you're like, what's, what's, what's the word? Well, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. The, the Greek word there is logos. And it's, um, it's really beyond our understanding. There isn't really an English translation for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of the thing, mm-hmm. the, like the thing with a capital T, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that thing, that word, that logos mm-hmm. is Jesus. I heard somebody say once, and I really like this, that, that the words that come out of our mouths are in a sense, just words, but on a, on a, on a deeper level, they're connected to what's in our minds. Yeah. They're, they're connected to, mm-hmm. to, to what we're thinking about, what, what, what we carry in, in our hearts and souls, too. And so, if this is God's Word, what, what's coming out of God? And, and so, we're reading God's written Word. Uh-huh. And then we also know that Jesus is God's incarnate word. In other words, the uh-huh. God who becomes human and dwells yeah. among us, which is exactly where John takes us. And right. as you said, Corey, yeah. this is poetry and, yeah. and it's so beautiful. The other gospels are called the synoptic gospels, yep. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Not John. John's different. John yeah. was written just a little bit later, still well within the range of what was right. going on at the time. Mm-hmm. So we got eyewitnesses still in the community of, of John's, uh, and also called the beloved disciple. In the community of the beloved disciple, they're eyewitnesses to these events. But where Matthew, Mark, and Luke might say, this is what Jesus did, especially Mark. I right. mean, when yeah. we were there, it's like immediately Just, Mark goes here, he goes there, this, uh-huh. this happened, this miracle, this, this event, this, this healing, this teaching. 
Um, Matthew and Luke too go down that road and offer a little bit more commentary, but John offers loads of commentaries and he loves Uh the number seven, uh, which is a biblical (laughs) number for completion. There's seven signs in John's gospel, which are miracles. There are seven statements, the I am statements. There's seven women who meet Jesus. There's seven questions that Pilate asked Jesus on trial. Mm -hmm. There's seven life-changing conversations that Jesus has with people. Uh, All those things are, are really important. Yeah, John's doing something different. He's doing something special. It's like little icing on the cake. I love it. And in all these things, he's inviting us into the story. He's inviting us to see it so that we can believe it. And we'll say more about that as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's going on in the water to wine miracle story? And what does Jesus mean when he tells his mother that the lack of wine is not our problem? My time has not yet come. Uh (laughs) I love especially how in our Midwestern culture, who where we don't like to ruffle feathers, we can Uh read this and think, is Jesus being rude to Uh his mother? Uh The audacity. But Jesus is not. We can rest assured Jesus isn't being rude and he's not being rude to his mom. He's saying to Mary, who knows him better than anybody else? My time has not yet come. And also throughout the gospel of John, John is using something specific when it when he uses this word, my time, my hour yeah. has mm-hmm. not yet come. That mm-hmm. refers to what Jesus is doing through his work, through his life, his death, his resurrection. Jesus is saying this fulfillment time right. isn't now. Like this wine party or this this wedding sure. party isn't my time of fulfillment. And Mary gets it. She yep. kind of knows. She's like, yep. so she doesn't respond to Jesus, uh-huh. but she does look at the disciples and say, Listen, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's been watching him yes. for, for about 30 years yes. now. And now uh-huh. he's kind of going out there In- and taking it into the public sphere. What, what, I'm just, can you imagine growing up with Jesus at home, no. you know, at, at the family table? Can we you were, imagine being a younger sibling? Oh to my that? gosh, right? We were joking yes. earlier that, like, you know, at this point, Jesus has not done any public miracles. And so the disciples aren't expecting that. They're not like, hey, Jesus, turn this water into wine. But Mary, Mary knows, knows something. She knows something. And we're like, so what did she see Jesus do in the backyard? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what was happening there? <laughs> so yes. that, like, she knew. She yes. knew. But yes, I love this, that the disciples, it says that the disciples believe after Jesus performs this miracle, but right. Mary believed before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She already knew. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. Good. That's yeah. a mm-hmm. really good point. I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. That the reason she said, uh, all kidding right. aside, do what he says, mm-hmm. is she knows, she knows and she believes mm-hmm. that he is it. He's He's the one. I mean... Let's go back to, to right. Luke's gospel. <laughs> the angel showed up to Mary before Jesus was born and said, this is who he is. Yeah. Right. And Mary sang her song mm-hmm. before he was even born. Uh, so she knew. There's, there's more going on here as well. I'm, Jamie, I'm so glad you brought up the timing part of it, uh-huh. that Jesus says it's not my time. And, and the rudeness factor, the apparent <laughs> rudeness factor. Uh, I read something this week because that... that you know, every time I read these stories, something new jumps out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that jumped out this time. I thought, wow, Jesus just sort of <laughs> was pretty direct with his mom there. Yeah. Dear woman, it says in John chapter 2, verse 4, that's mm-hmm. not our problem. Not our problem. Mm-hmm. If one of my kids said that to my wife, oh, yeah. we'd have a chat, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but now we're putting 21st century American lenses mm-hmm. right. on first century Middle Eastern culture. And that's mm-hmm. what I read from this commentator that I really trust who said, Oh, no, that's just a phrase that in Hebrew culture in first century Middle Eastern times, he didn't mean it in any kind of disparaging way. That's just how you say, well, no, not yet. And then it gets Mm -hmm. into the timing part of it. Uh There's this is also as as you're talking about, Corey, this is a sign, the first sign that leads to belief. Right. 
there'll be six more. And this is how John uses these miracles. He's more interested in what the miracle means right. than the miracle itself. Mm-hmm. He's more interested. So as you're reading this, dear readers out there, mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Yes, you're reading about these miracles. We already read about a ton of them already in right. Matthew, Mark, and Luke yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. So John's going to say, yeah, these miracles happen. Let me tell you what they mean. In every single yeah. case, he's going to have a specific movement. And here it's the mm-hmm. timing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when is it Jesus' time? Uh, my time has not yet come. Well, this is John, and this is the brilliance of John. Mary shows up twice in the entire Gospel of John. Here, Mm -hmm. and the next time she shows up is at the cross, which we just went through during the the Good Friday services here Uh at Hope and read last week at the end of Luke's Gospel. So, at the cross, what does he say? Well, I need you to know, Mom, that I've still got you covered. John's going to be there for you. And John, I need you to know that you're covered too. Jesus deeply cares, and John does too, about Mm -hmm. community. Yeah. And wants to make sure community is established here. There's community in the wedding, too. There's As long as we're talking about this wedding, I think there's one other part that's really worth noting. When you started, Jamie, you started saying, you know, sometimes we start reading things from our own perspective into mm-hmm. Scripture instead of letting Scripture read to us. Mm-hmm. Jesus turned water into wine. Yeah. He likes the celebration to go because community is important to him and weddings in first century middle eastern culture were week-long affairs they were big big events and if you run out of wine on day two or day three that's Mm -hmm. scandalous that's that's huge that family's going to be dishonored disgraced and so jesus and mary's worried about that Mm -hmm. she probably likes them you know Mm -hmm. probably family friends hey jesus i know what you can do Mm -hmm. you know i I know your potential and they're out of wine, and this is going to turn into a horrible disgrace for my friends. Right. Can you do something? So that's the miracle. But John uses the miracle as a sign for, yes, this is the beginning of that new community. Uh-huh. And it starts with a community wedding. But the, the, the fulfillment of that community happens at the cross. And, of course, that's deeper than just the community in that particular part of the Middle East in first century times. Jesus is talking about the community he invites us all into, mm-hmm. that we are in this together. Um, thank goodness. You know, individualized, privatized forms of spirituality and Christianity are highly overrated. Um, there's, there's no accountability. Um, there's no joy. And so Jesus brings his joy to the wedding. He turns the water into wine. We've got to be careful. He's not saying, hey, everybody get drunk. He's, right. he's mm-hmm. saying, hey, everybody, let's keep the celebration mm-hmm. yeah. uh, going because community matters. And, and restoring yeah. honor to this family. Right. Yes. You know, Jesus is all about restoring honor to people all throughout the Gospels who didn't have honor culturally. When you look at the story of like Zacchaeus, yeah. for example, or other stories uh-huh. that we're not looking at today. But Jesus is all about making sure that people are in community, right. loving one another well, seeing one another the way that Jesus sees them. So he even made it good wine. Yes, <laughs> right. I love Thank that you part for of bringing that up. Yeah. Yes. Talk about that, Corey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love this that traditionally, because of the way that these weddings went on for a long time, you would bring out the best mm-hmm. wine mm-hmm. first. And so people would love it and they would thank you for it. And then they would continue to drink wine and continue to drink wine. And as they become more and more inebriated, mm-hmm. they don't really care what the wine tastes like mm-hmm. after that. And so you can you can bring out the cheap wine afterwards. Sure. And and so when when Jesus does turn this water into wine, he's like, well, go big or go home, right? <laughs> and so he brings the best wine. And so mm-hmm. then when it's brought to the master of ceremonies, they're like, whoa, yeah, stands out. You again. you saved the best wine till now. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. 
And what does that do? That causes the people who are there to believe all the more. Right. This guy, noticed. this Jesus is different. Yeah. There's something about him that just doesn't fit in with what we're mm-hmm. used yeah. to. I'm glad you brought that up, Emily. Verse 11 of chapter 2 says, This miraculous sign, this miracle at Cana in Galilee, was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. Yeah. And so his disciples believed in him. Right. So the sign leads to the glory, the the moment of, wow, and glory, doxa, the original Greek word means, among other things, heaven breaks into earth, mm-hmm. and we experience what, what heaven will be in a glimpse. So, y- miracles are that kind of thing. Heaven breaks uh-huh. through to earth, otherwise there's no way to explain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, when that happens, there's glory. When this sign, this miracle happens, there's glory, and if there's glory, people are going to start believing. Yeah. And that's what happens over and over again. That's great. Next, what does Jesus mean when he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again? Yeah, uh, this one is another place where a lot of Christians, a lot of non-Christians, a lot of people trip up uh, because we we want to control it. Yeah. Sure. It re- really is the motivation behind it. The temptation is we want to control it. We want to say, hey, in order to increase my uh, sense of security for salvation, Mm-hmm. that I'm really truly saved, I'm going to reduce it to a formula I'm comfortable with. And so, okay. therefore, I'm going to take language like this out of John 3, where Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. I'm going to turn that into a formula, and I'm going to uh-huh. define what it means to be born again based on what I'm comfortable with. And a lot yeah. of times where that goes is I need to pray a particular prayer sure. in a particular way. I need to answer a particular altar call in a particular way, or I need to do something uh, fill in the blank of, of right. check, 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 check. Here's yeah. the list of things you got to do to get saved. Mm-hmm. There's a serious theological problem with that. There's a serious biblical problem with that mm-hmm. is that's not what Jesus says. Uh-huh. He says you must be born from above. And I'm not going to and on any level try to minimize it. Quite the opposite. To be born right. from above means start over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whole new life. Radical transformation. Complete about face in some cases mm-hmm. or correction in others. Yeah. But change. Change yeah. the trajectory of the pathway that you're on. When Jesus says you must be born again, that's what he's saying to Nicodemus. There's more here, but what else do you guys see there as you, as you read through it on that language of being born again that Jesus is announcing in this really pivotal chapter in John 3? Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> excuse me, this, this section where I, I love the part where Nicodemus is just so human. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, as we've been reading through this this year, that's that's been kind of my go-to is like putting myself in the story and like, mm. what would I say if Jesus said, you need to be born again? Mm. And Nicodemus says that. He's like, you want me to crawl up into my mother's womb? I don't see how that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus clarifies, like, no, you need to be born of the Spirit. And and we think about birth and we think about rebirth in the same way that you were saying, Mike, it's a, it's, it's a start. It's a yeah. beginning. It's where we... It's where we begin. And so when we begin as a human, we begin in sin. And when we begin in the spirit, we begin in with God, right? We begin with in relationship with God, with free of sin because of what Christ has done for us. Um, And that is the born again. Mm -hmm. That is the born into the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and starting there. It's letting Mm -hmm. God take over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Nicodemus is there. You mentioned Nicodemus. That's who Jesus says this to, Mm -hmm. and that's going to lead to a really big verse, which we'll tackle in the next question uh, about believing, and the most famous verse in the whole Bible. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not Jesus standing up or sitting down during the Sermon on the Mount and saying, uh, 
you know, for God so loved the world. He's saying it in a conversation with Nicodemus, mm-hmm. a life-changing right. conversation. This will be the first of seven life-changing conversations mm-hmm. that Jesus is going to have in John's gospel. And this one, it's really interesting that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Yeah. I mean, Jesus just is it just got into kind of a conflict with the Pharisees when he clears the temple in between the wedding at Cana Miracle and his conversation with Nicodemus. Jesus is flipping their tables and mm-hmm. he's he's going after them. And then one of them comes to him under the cover of darkness, right? which I think is really fascinating because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be seen because he's no. like, well, I don't want any of my co-Pharisees to see this. But Nicodemus is looking for something he can't seem to find in his legalistic, right. narrow versions of, of Christianity. Mm-hmm. There's one other thing that I think is really worth noting here, and we'll see this over and over again as we read John's gospel. Jesus is speaking on a whole different plane. Yes. Uh, and, and and it goes back and forth. Did you pick up on that too, Jamie? Well, yeah, a little bit. I'm also just thinking anecdotally of how this story has played out in my life, but please yeah. continue. Well, yeah. I want to hear We more. can come back to that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be ready for that. So let, let me give you an example. Let's just take it right out of the text. And yeah. Corey, you alluded to this. I tell you the truth, Jesus says in John 3, 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Nicodemus. I don't get it. <laughs> right? What, 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 what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? So, Jesus is speaking on a heavenly plane, uh, uh-huh. an, eternal, an eternal plane. And it gets back to the wedding at Cana story, too. Right. Jesus is not really that interested in what time it is for us. We need wine now. Right. Jesus is like, nah, it's not my time. Uh-huh. Uh, but it will be in a second. He's going to talk about things on an eternal plane plain eternal perspective nicodemus is just thinking this in very down-to-earth practical terms like most of us see the world and see life right but what john is doing through these conversations he's that he's marking and he's recording he's saying jesus instead of yes god comes down to meet us right but then when he comes he's trying to lift us up right that too is what it means to be born again let, yeah. let me lift you up let, let me show you so to be born again means to be born as he goes on, verse 7, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born in the Spirit. Nicodemus, again, I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. How is this possible? Right. This this isn't just Jesus and Nicodemus. This will continue throughout the almost right. the rest of John's gospel. Mm-hmm. People will get into conversations with Jesus, and they they won't be on the same plane. Right. And as readers, we get to see that, that Jesus yeah. is trying to lift us up. So to well, be to be born again then means to be born uh, of the, of water and the mm-hmm, spirit, which right. of course alludes to baptism, but it's also more than that right. as well. It means again, it's total surrender. Yeah. We, yeah. we let God all the way in and that transforms our lives. Yeah. Okay, Jamie. Well, I just so I didn't grow up Lutheran. You know this about me. Yes, and that's I, one of the best things about you. Well, yeah. and I I grew up I like to say I grew up a Protestant mutt. I just grew up in so many different uh, denominations, but my mom also is Catholic. And so, but I can't tell you how many like youth group conferences that we went to where there was an altar call. And I went up every single time because I wasn't sure if the last one had stuck or if it was real or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I remember being really afraid. And the thing about how we've been talking about this, I love how much reassurance it brings to people or can, because it's not our work. Like I, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't control when and where I was born. I didn't control what family Uh I was born into. There's Uh nothing that the person who is born can control about the birthing. And let's be honest, the parents don't really have a ton of control about the birthing process. You know what I mean? And so the, we try to control 
this to make it mean one thing. But God is, Jesus is saying something completely different about this whole birthing Mm -hmm. analogy. He's saying it's your mind. I'm not kidding. I'm really glad you brought that up because a ton of our listeners are not Lutheran either. And Mm -hmm. probably most of them are not or didn't grow up Lutheran. Mm -hmm. Most of Hope didn't grow up Lutheran. Um, and so then we became Lutheran and got saved. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, kind, of, kind of the opposite. My dad, who's a Lutheran pastor, used to sing while he was like walking around the house. Once I was a Lutheran, but now I'm saved. <laughs> he was Amazing. kidding. He was kidding, I think. You know, but that was my dad's sense of humor. Mm-hmm. There, there is uh, a question, I think, though, that's out there that I want to make sure we answer for people. How do they know that they're born again? Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? How, how can we, how can we, so if they say, okay, great. So, so you tell me it's not this, but what is it then? Mm-hmm. What, what does it mean to be born again? Cause I, I do want to make mm-hmm. sure I'm not missing something here. What, what would you, cause you said it reassures you. What would you say, Corey? What would you say, Jamie or Emily or any of us? What would mm-hmm. we say? I've got an idea, but I want to hear from you <laughs> yeah. guys first. I have an idea as well, but you're welcome to jump well, in I'm first. Well, I'm going to be bold want. and be first and just say, I don't know. <laughs> and this is and it's interesting because this is something that I've thought about for a long time, but yeah. I did grow up Lutheran, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so the whole phrase of being born again was not was not something that we were concerned with. I mean, obviously it was something yeah. that we talked about, but in the context of this is, you know, like Jesus goes on here and literally says, um, but if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Mm. And in, in my mind, this was one of those heavenly things that I'm just like, I don't, mm. I, don't I don't know. So I'm really, I'm really excited to hear your answers. Good. Well, I got to tell you, I'm going to nerd out for just a minute. Please do. And do one of the things I loved about reading the brick books of Lutheran confessions mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I did the Lutheran confessions class is, and I had, you know, heard this alluded to here and there and wherever, but like that faith is a gift from God. It is. yes. Faith isn't mine. It's yes. not yours. It's not something that I can conjure up. And we get confused about that when we read scripture saying like, if you only have faith the size of a mustard seed, well, mm-hmm. then it's like, it feels like I have to somehow conjure this faith sure. up. But faith is God's gift to yeah. us. Mm-hmm. I'm just responding to this gift that God has given mm-hmm. me. And that's, we'll get to that when we get to the belief sure. question as right. well. But this, right. there's this play mm-hmm. and this dance back and forth between belief and faith that sometimes we can slide into ditches really easily about, mm-hmm. um, but that we're just responding to this beautiful gift of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, that is so clearly and i believe absolutely true and and yeah. bible based right that faith and this belief that john keeps talking about is a gift from god the greek word is the same root mm-hmm. for faith and belief by the way people try to split right. hairs on that it's not as easy to split it as people want it to be right. uh, and that's just convenient sometimes for preaching or teaching and I, yeah. it makes me nervous let's stick uh-huh. with the text it's good enough by far in fact it's better than the things we come up with right. so if we just take this in the text of john and then take john in the context of the rest of the bible seems really clear to me that being born again, meaning Jesus says it right here, it means you must be born of water and the spirit. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? We know from the Greek word for born again, it means born from above. We also know, well, born of water and the spirit in the next chapter, we're going to, Jesus is going to say, you must worship God in spirit and truth to the woman Uh at the well. So what does it mean to be born again, to be born of the spirit, to worship God in spirit and truth? And now now we're starting to have a spirit driven sort of life. And then if we aren't careful, we're going to fall into a ditch, which says, oh, shoot, 
I don't know if I'm really into that spirit-filled stuff. Yep. I, I don't know that mm-hmm. that's me because I don't speak in tongues. Some people right. do around right. here. Some people don't. I don't have the healing gifts. I don't have the miracle uh-huh. gifts. I don't have the intercession gift. I don't have the words of the Lord, the words of knowledge. I, I don't have those things that I hear other Christians talk mm-hmm. about sometimes. Some people do. Right. Some people around here do. We, mm-hmm. we honor those and lift those up and encourage mm-hmm. those. But for a lot of people, here's, here's the thing that in the totality of the rest of Scripture is just abundantly clear to me. To be filled with the Holy Spirit ultimately means, and we read this in Ephesians, for example, Paul writes about this. Here's what it means. Here's what I want for you more than anything else. I want you to know how much God loves you. Yep. Yeah. First and Corinthians that gets back 13. to what, how do we get born again? You don't do it mm-hmm. <laughs> any more than you could control when you were born the first time <laughs> yep. in, yes. into this world. God does it. God uh-huh. gives us the gift. He says, well, how do I know God's given it to me? Here's the really good news. I'm getting goosebumps on this one. You hear the word and you believe it. Yeah. Which is exactly where John's going. You say, well, that's a cop out. That's not, you got to be able to do more things. That's you talking and that's your tradition talking, right. your religious piety talking. That isn't scripture talking. Yeah. Because if you take this into the t- totality of scripture and just read what the rest of the Bible says about being filled with the Spirit, mm-hmm. it means above all else to know that we're loved. Paul yeah. says this. Here's yeah. all the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. Turn the page, 1 Corinthians 13. But of all the spiritual gifts, what are the most important ones? Faith, hope, and love. And, and the greatest and is love. And there it is. Whenever yeah. I think about questions like, oh no, am I, like, have I been born again type mm-hmm. questions, I try to remember that God doesn't try to be tricky. Right. right? Like, that's not his nature. <laughs> I'm going to make it really hard <laughs> yeah. for, for you all to get saved. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like Only Santa. the really super, super, super <laughs> spiritual and smart people yes, are going to get it. It's not yeah. as though there are 12 hoops to jump. Jump through. Yep. No. Like no. that's not, not the naughty and nice no. list of Santa. Yeah. No. Right? Yeah. I also get I, I just feel a lot better about it biblically when we're relying on God mm-hmm. instead of on ourselves. Yeah. If it's all if if this salvation thing is about me, I'm already confident that we're not gonna I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna do all the right things. Otherwise it turns into works righteousness. Right. Because you can use spirituality as a work too. Like you gotta check all these boxes. Mm-hmm. You gotta do these kinds of prayers. You gotta do the mm-hmm. those are great. Do do those. Do those. we're for all those things. Mm-hmm. But those we're, are we're outpouring. Up. Right. Those are right. outpourings and responses. The last thing I'll say about this, because this is a really big thing, is just like I said, we can't control this anymore and we can control when or where we're born. That's really right. up to our parents. And this is up to our Heavenly Father. But the question I want to leave our listeners with on this issue is, born into what? So you're born, but that's not the end. Like you were saying before, Corey, it is the beginning of a new relationship. And I heard Mm -hmm. a really brilliant theologian once say, I'm born again and again and and again again, and again and again and again, several Mm -hmm. times a day. Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know, birthdays are a big deal and we remember them and we celebrate them and that's great. Mm -hmm. But what if, you know, we're going to go see our grandkids here pretty soon. What if I just went there and said, I don't want to see them now. I just want to go back and watch videos of the day they were born. You know, that that's all I ever want to do. Now, I want to see them grow up. Uh, I get excited about them being born mm-hmm. so that they can live their lives. Yes. So we're born again for a purpose, to yeah. serve God, to love one another, to 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 follow Jesus, to be the church, um, to, to reach out in mission, to invite our friends, to, to experience the same grace. To be born again means God's grace becomes real for you. God's love becomes real for you. If you know God loves you, you are born again. Good. The word believe appears over 100 times in John's gospel, including the most well-known verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16. What's so important about belief? Corey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, let's just start with John 3.16, right? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, mm-hmm. so that whoever, whoever believes in him, right, mm-hmm. will have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, we we often refer to that as like, it's 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 a, one of the most well-known verses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so many people know that and when, and, and we know it, but oftentimes we recite it as if it's rote, right? Yeah. And we hear about the gift of God and that's great. But then there's, there's this peace, this belief yeah. mm-hmm. and John, that's his whole goal. Yeah. His whole goal. In fact, he, he states it at the end of the gospel. I had to look this up cause I was like, I don't remember where it is, but at the end of, at the end of John's gospel in chapter 20, verse 31, he literally says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Mm-hmm. And so John has an agenda. <laughs> you know, we, we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and like they have agendas too, but so much of their agenda is just to give you the information and mm-hmm. let you, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> form from it what you will. For sure. John's like, no, no, no. <laughs> My goal is to make you believe because he recognizes that that's, that's the gift, right? Mm-hmm. The gift is there and you're accepting it by believing it, by, by buying into it, by recognizing that Jesus does love you and that that is where, that's where salvation comes from. And so he repeats it over and over again. He doesn't want you to miss that. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. mm-hmm. We're not yeah. going to get through this without you fully understanding that that is my purpose in writing this to you. Sure. Well, and one of my favorite things about this is it's a little bit of a different word, but if you look in the original language, the words for faith and trust are the same. Right. So, so often we can talk about having faith, but a beautiful flip of that is thinking about how do I trust Mm, God? Do I trust that the God of the Old Testament, of the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, the God of David is still the same God. And look at how God showed up Mm. for all of these individuals. And that's the same God that shows up for me. And I can trust that this God is good. And so that's who we're placing our faith and our hope and our trust and our belief in. That's I I love this beautiful part of trusting that God. And it it grows out of that, right? Like Mike was alluding earlier, believe and faith. You know, they, they overlap so much and there's so much... That one automatically leads into the other. You talked about works righteousness earlier, mm-hmm. and and Luther does a really good job of of helping us understand this. That like works works are important, works are valuable. Mm-hmm. God loves our good works, but our good works is not what earns our way into mm-hmm. heaven or mm-hmm. earns our salvation because that's impossible. Mm-hmm. If that's what it was up to, we would all be lost, and we were all lost until Jesus came and gave us that gift. Um, but, but when we live into that belief, that faith, that trust, you're going to see all sorts of good works. And it's not because we want to prove something to God. It's because this gift compels us to live in this way. And when you live in this way, good things happen. Good things come out of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's what you alluded to, Jamie, in your confessions class at, at a Lutheran seminary that you uh-huh. just took. It's about God. It's about what God does. This verse, which Luther, Corey, you just mentioned mm-hmm. Luther, Luther called the Bible in sum yeah. is, is this verse. And mm-hmm. if we can move it away from cliche or just memory verse and actually apply it and think about, mm-hmm. well, what does it say? Again, it says God loves us. And so at the end of the last question, I said, if you know God loves you, you're born again. How do we know God loves you? 
Well, it's a Christocentric love. That's how we know, because God loves us so much, he sent Jesus. He mm-hmm. sent Christ into this world. to die. That's the proof of his love. The cross mm-hmm. proves the love of God. So, when I look to the cross, when I look to what God has done, and consistently, as you said, Jamie, throughout history, throughout time, this is the same God who is the faithful God of Abraham and, yeah. and Isaac and Jacob, the same God of David, who we just re- are reading about this week in Second Samuel. This God shows up in the person of Jesus Christ, and he loves us so much. I mean, so much, so much right? that he, he didn't, because our works aren't enough to get us into heaven, right. because we can't be righteous enough, because we can't make the shot every time, like I tried during the <laughs> Easter sermon, <laughs> so which I went upstairs and I, I, I measured it with some help from my friends. <laughs> from where I was standing to that basketball hoop, it doesn't look like 75 feet. Wow. So that's a three-quarter shot, court shot, just if anybody's paying attention. So I'm surprised I got even that close. <laughs> that you but, hit the rim. But see, now this is what I do, isn't it? This is what we all do. Oh, I, I mean, that was close. is good enough, out. right? I'm so good. But none of us are good enough, but God, God's love is. Well, that's verse 17. It, yeah. Yes. Right, yes. Yeah. So what does that say? Well, yeah, I'm going to read it because I feel on the spot and I don't want to. I have it memorized. Right? I had it memorized since when I was like two years old. I just old. think we can't, we can't put up, we, we can't, can't mention it without it. saying yes. it's so good. Yeah. God. So this comes right after John three sixteen. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's yes. the whole point. God loves save. us. God loves you. Yes. That love gives it. it that is John one uh, verse 12 says, that Jesus shows up and he gives us the power to believe. And when we believe, we become children of God. When we believe, we're born again. When when, when we believe mm-hmm. that God loves us, there's that word belief and there's yeah, the power of God's love. It's God's direction. We can't do anything. I remember my like second grade Sunday school teacher, Redeemer Lutheran in Great Falls, Montana, <laughs> says, what do we need to do to get into heaven? Mm. And we're all stumped. We're like, well, <laughs> I don't know. You tell us. What do we need to do? And she said... I'm so, she looks at me, she's kind of shamed me a little bit. I felt bad about this part. She goes, I'm surprised being the pastor's son, you don't know. Oh, you know she said me, and I said, well, I'm sorry, I don't know. She goes, nothing. Mm. It's not about what we do. It's about mm-hmm. what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. That's what this verse, John three sixteen and 17 says. Yeah. Yeah. It's about what Christ has done. Now, if we put our trust completely in that, that's going to lead to all sorts of good works because uh-huh. we're going to be changed. We're going to be born right. again. We're going to be transformed. We're going to live a whole new life. Now we understand Christianity. Right. Now, now, now carts and horse are, horses are in the right are place. Up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What stands out for you this time around as you read the familiar story in John 4 of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, Jamie? Yeah, this is such a good story. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I love the Chosen TV series mm-hmm. and Me the too. way that the Chosen depicts this story mm-hmm. unfolding it's is beautiful. so beautiful. And I know that it's not biblical in like a verse by by verse it's a it's an interpretation but the way that you get to see visually this woman's defenses begin to fall down in Mm. front of jesus as he just loves her through this moment this conversation Uh it's already a shock you know that jesus is talking to this samaritan woman he's a jewish man he's a rabbi she is unmarried Mm. all of the tension between jews and um and the people of her culture right like there's just Uh all these reasons why people would be surprised that he's talking to her and she's clearly going in the middle of the day when she probably didn't want to run into anyone, but Jesus knew. And I think that's so beautiful in all of the ways that we try to avoid God or avoid going to church to encounter mm-hmm. people that we think are going to 
say something dumb that just really put pressure on our wound or whatever, you know, like she's just avoiding all of these things that she doesn't want to deal with yet again. But then Jesus surprises her Mm -hmm. in who he actually is and, and the love that he gives to her. And, and then in the chosen, we don't necessarily see it in the exact same way in this verse, but she, she just begins to overflow with joy and she can't stop talking about this good man that she Uh just encountered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that's been fresh on my mind as I read through this story. That's good. I think the joy shows up that, that the, I think the chosen nailed it on that joy. It shows up. So the question is what stood out for us this time around? Uh Here's something that stood out for me reading this very familiar story that I've read many times. I've preached many times. I've thought about, I just love it. It's a mm-hmm. long story, mm-hmm. which tells us something right off the bat. That that st- stood out for me this time. Mm-hmm. Sure. It isn't just a paragraph. I mean, it, it is almost yeah. a full chapter of a story where Jesus is taking the time. It's almost as if, it's not almost as if, he is saying, I see you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I see you who the world says you're not good enough. You're uh-huh. a Samaritan, strike uh-huh. one, according to the descendants of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, the Jews. You're a woman, strike two, Mm -hmm. in that first century bias culture. Mm -hmm. Um, You are married five times, strike three. Four or five. five, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're out. I see you, Jesus is saying. Mm -hmm. And not only do I see you, I'm going to have a long conversation with you. While there's a hundred million other things I could be doing right now, I'm going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take time for you. Jesus doesn't just see her, Jesus sees us. Yes. He sees whoever you are out there who you think, well, Mm -hmm. these guys are seminary trained. These guys are are religious leaders. These guys are, you know, church staff. They're going to talk about these things. They're really into it. That's not me. Well, it is. You're the one Jesus sees. Mm -hmm. Right. Jesus sees you and he makes time for you and he meets you right where you are. And and not just when you get to the mountaintop. Right. In the ordinary. This is the well where she goes for water every day whatever routine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's where he sees us he sees us not just in the in the holy moments but in the mundane in the non-holy in the ordinary stuff jesus sees her and just as jesus sees us then this is the other thing that really stood out i missed this i i i don't know why but i really jumped out this time i think i've noticed it before here or there but had forgotten <laughs> you know you read mm-hmm. you read right? a story so many times you forget parts of it yep she left the jar behind yeah. Yeah. Right. She came to the well to get water and she got something so much more. She got yeah. the living water. She 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 came for water. Jesus came to change her life. Yeah. Uh-huh. And her life was changed and that that led to the joy. And the the joy is expressed in John's gospel, but it's like, I don't need the jar anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm running back to tell everybody in the town. She becomes this great first evangelist, you know, in John's yeah. gospel. You wouldn't believe what I so Jesus sees us. Mm-hmm. Now she says, let me tell you what I saw. And, yeah. then, uh-huh. and then she uses this phrase, which just I just love. I use it all the time around here in my letters and stuff. Come and see, she yeah. says. Yes. Come and see, if you're, which is what Jesus uh-huh. says to the disciples right. in John 1. When he calls them, come, come and see. It's what um, one of the disciples says to another disciple, to Nathaniel. Uh-huh. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. That's how we evangelize. That's the best way to evangelize. Right. Come and see. Come to my group. Come to my alpha class. Come to revive. Come to women's ministry. Come to men's mm-hmm. ministry. Come to worship. Come uh-huh. to come come to church with me. Uh, come uh-huh. and see. Come and uh-huh. see who this Jesus is. We don't have to explain everything. Just right. invite people to come. That's mm-hmm. good. 
What's so controversial to the point that it caused many disciples to turn away about Jesus claiming to be the bread of life in John 6, 35? This is when you guys asked me to start, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. I take great solace in this one, actually, because in John chapter six, toward the end of the story, people leave Jesus. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you do ministry long enough, you yeah. see people leave. Yeah. yeah. And it is heartbreaking. Absolutely uh-huh. heartbreaking. And I'm not just talking about leaving one church for another. That's, 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 that's tough anyway, right. because you're family. Sometimes I think we treat church like Italian restaurants. Well, <laughs> I'm going to try something new. I'm going to go over here, or it's a salad bar, and I, I can mix and match and whatever. What that misses is what the Bible lifts up as the family of God, that, that church is family. And, you know, I don't keep just jumping from one family to another, to another, to another, to another, to another, just because I get mad at my brother. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're family, and I hope my brother stays with me when he gets mad at me we're we're called to endure together yeah. and and also to have some grace for each other and some room for each other but that's one level the deeper level is when people leave Jesus completely mm-hmm. uh and that that one just destroys me mm-hmm. that that one crushes me when people who were with Jesus fall away and it happens here and why does it happen here because Jesus makes his first of seven I am statements. In the Greek, it's ego a me, which is a very powerful kind of way. Well, ego a me is exactly what God said his name was to Moses. It's in Hebrew, but in, to Moses mm-hmm. in the Old Testament in the yeah. burning bush. Moses says, what's your name? He says, my name is ego a me in the Greek. In the Hebrew, is something else. But mm-hmm. uh, my name is Yahweh. My name is I am. Uh-huh. That's who God is. So Jesus is saying, I am. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That is like... Close to him. <laughs> this is the Pastor Mike Drop, we call it. Yeah. Yeah. That is a Mike Drop moment for Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh, the only one bigger is probably in the next chapter, chapter, or the chapter before this, chapter five, where he says, I mean, wait for it, verse 39, all scripture points to me. Yeah. Everything, not just in John's gospel, from the beginning of creation to the end of time as we know it. Everything points to me, drop the mic, boom. Now here, Jesus is saying, um, you know, ego me. I am the bread of life. <laughs> and this is just after he feeds people with bread and fish. Right. So he does the miracle. He does the sign. Then he makes the statement of authority. And then he goes even further. And he says, so if you eat this bread, me, Jesus uh-huh. is saying, you will have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And they flip out. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. they're right in saying, did he just call himself God? And the answer yeah. is yeah. yes. You think they left because they didn't want to be struck by the lightning that they thought was going <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> rain down from heaven? Yeah, probably, you know? yeah. Jamie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? That's yeah. good. I think that it's also just like, it's crazy. Yeah. You know? This like, claim is right? audacious. Especially if you pull it out of context. Oh, absolutely. Eat, eat of me and you'll live forever. Say what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right? That's I mean, bizarre. We're leaving. It's crazy yeah. as being born again. Uh, sure. <laughs> like... <laughs> Je- Jesus- what are we talking about here? Yeah, the comfortable zone, comfort zone Jesus and mm-hmm. real radical Jesus are not always the same. No, we're in the mm-hmm. panic zone. Yeah, the 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 real Jesus is going to challenge us once in a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we may not be able to fit him in a comfortable little box. So uh, when you dance with God, who leads? You know, and and yeah. if and if and if Jesus is leading, we're going to hang in there. Yeah, I love the way. Um, it, it ends in chapter six. Jesus says to some of his disciples, are you going to leave too? Right. And they say, and this is in our liturgy for those of you who are traditional mainliners out there. 
Lord, to whom to shall whom we go? Shall we you go? have the words mm-hmm. of eternal life. Yeah. Where, where else are we going to go? We, we're not necessarily digging what you're saying right now either. Mm-hmm. We're, it's very challenging. It's very radical. It's mm-hmm. not in our comfort zone. But it's true. Yeah. And we want truth because only truth is going to lead us to life, new yep. and eternal. So where else are we going to go? You've yeah. got yeah. the words of eternal life. We're going to follow you. Yeah. So to finish us off here, what's so significant about Jesus standing up on the final day of the festival and shouting to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me? It's from chapter seven. Yeah, we think so much of this verse. We engraved it in the original Greek over by our baptismal font. Mm -hmm. Uh, John 7, 37, anyone who's thirsty may come to me and drink. Uh, Short answer, since this is a podcast, (laughs) because this could do do a Mm -hmm. whole series on this. Yeah. this is deeply rooted in the Old Testament. Yeah. So a little context. Uh, there's this feast called the Feast of the Tabernacles, which we already talked about this when we did the second Samuel question at the top uh-huh. of the podcast. The tabernacle is where the Ark of the Covenant, where God resided, is God's right. people are on the move. And so it's powerful. It, there, uh-huh. There's significance to it. There's presence, the presence of God, the divine is there. So in Ezekiel 47, then the prophet Ezekiel speaks the word of God to God's people and says, I had a vision or he writes about this vision. And in this vision, the water went, the water coming out of this temple, which is now where the Ark of the Covenant Mm -hmm. resides, where the presence and the power of God resides. The water poured out of that temple and it went up to my ankles and then it went up to my knees and then it went up to my waist and then I was fully immersed, which of course is the same original word for baptism. Baptism. So I was washed. I I, I was washed by this water that came out of the temple. And then the coolest part of this prophecy in Ezekiel 47, then the water went into the Dead Sea. Mm. I've been to the Dead Sea. It's dead. (laughs) I mean, it's just really, really dead. There's no life around there at Mm -hmm. all. Uh, and that's the miracle of it. That's the sign is the, the water uh, comes out in this prophecy. This is before Jesus was born, this prophecy, mm-hmm. hundreds of years. Right. So the people of God are looking for this. Sure. So when they go to the Feast of the Tabernacles, this holy day that Jesus is in Jerusalem and all his disciples are in Jerusalem and, and his family's there and they're all celebrating, mass crowds are celebrating. On the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus stands up. This water that Ezekiel prophesied about that would go into the Dead Sea and take dead things and bring it to life, flowers and birds and, and everything comes to life. Color, you know, Dead Sea's uh-huh. so gray and mm-hmm. muddy, just, mm. just dark. All of a sudden, everything comes to life. Jesus stands up on the last day of the festival and says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. I'm the water. Mm. I'm, I'm what you're, you're, you're looking for another miracle, another sign. It's me, Jesus says. I'm the divine. I'm the one who's in the Ark of the Covenant. I'm here now. I'm 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 out of the temple. It's it's coming out. The water is here. The miracle you've been looking for for centuries is here. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and I'll fill you up. And then John says, and by this he was talking about the Spirit, which we know is God's love being poured out. When you know that you know that there's a God and this God loves you through Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his son Jesus through Christ. If you know God loves you through Christ, then you are refreshed with this new and this living water, which is a really powerful, powerful gift. We talk about this more in the Alpha class, so I'd encourage people to, sure. to check into mm-hmm. that. We connect all these dots in a more um, extensive way, a lengthier way. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage people to do that. What What are you hearing out of all? What, what are you getting out of reading John's gospel so far? And, and just doing the daily Bible readings throughout the year as we wrap this session up. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it is. The word is, the word that you talked about at the top of this podcast yeah. is a, the logos. The, yeah. is a powerful mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. There's, the divine is in there too. There is, there's just magic in, 
in John's gospel that, that, you know, it's, we've gone from learning what Jesus does to learning who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And, sure. and that, and that comes up in the other gospels, but that's, it, there's just a whole different purpose in what John writes. Yeah. And so you see all of these, these connections that, you know, like, like, Yes, Matthew connects the dots, but not in the way that John does. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. there's just there's so much more meaning in everything that the way that John explains it. Because again, he's not just giving you the information; he's going to tell you all about it, and he's going to put all of the things behind it. Um, yeah. So it's just it's it's just deep. It's you can't read it and not feel it in your bones, mm-hmm. which inspires faith yes. in that belief. John talks about Jamie. You lead our young adults here. What are you seeing in them or in you or in, in the ministry that you're leading? Is, is reading the word doing anything for them? Is there any power to that? Is there any change? Is there anything happening? I want to make a joke that's like not, but it would, it would just be so false. Then the lightning it's, might hit yeah, again. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 right? No, people are lit up. Yeah. People yeah. are so excited about reading God's word. Um, I've had several people tell me, wow, I am now realizing for the first time this thing connects to that thing yes. and that mm-hmm. can connect connects to that other thing and seeing connections in new ways. Yeah. Um, you just see the joy on people's faces yeah. because they're finding meaning in how not just this ancient book existed, but how it relates to their life oh, now. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. saying they're lit up is right on because you <laughs> yeah. can literally feel it around here. Like uh-huh. people are, mm-hmm. I think they're experiencing it differently yeah. than they even expected to. Yes. Like, oh yeah, maybe some of us had read these things mm-hmm. before, sure. but to, to do it together and to learn how it's all connected is really powerful. Yep. I think a lot of people started into this Bible reading year around here thinking, I'll learn some things. Mm-hmm. And I think what's they, they are, we are mm-hmm. learning things as we go. Even those of us who've read it a ton of times before, there's, mm-hmm. stay humble. There's still more to learn. <laughs> right. I will, Always, I will lead yeah. that confession. Um, there's things that just open my eyes like, wow, I never saw that before. Mm-hmm. But it's not just what we're learning. It's what it's doing to right, us. Yeah. It's, it's how it's changing uh-huh. us. It's, the, it's this radical, transformative experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what John's Gospel is getting at. So as you continue to read John's Gospel, uh, wonderful podcast listeners, remember what John is doing here. As you guys have so mm-hmm. articulated so well, he's telling us about what Jesus did, what he said, and ultimately leading to the cross and his resurrection so that we might believe. That's yeah. where John ends. And in John's gospel, in, in so much of this world, seeing is believing. Even for right. Doubting Thomas, seeing is believing. Mm-hmm. And that Doubting Thomas story is here in John's gospel, of mm-hmm. course. But while the world says seeing is believing, John's gospel and Jesus says believing is seeing. Mm, yeah. When you believe, you start mm-hmm. to see. When you believe, your eyes are open to things that you never, ever saw before. And that's what reading this Logos, this written word of God, which mm-hmm. is, it's, it's got the spirit and the power of God in it, which is going to change us every single time we do it with an open heart and an open mind. So keep reading, keep tuning in. Uh, We will continue to do everything we can to support your efforts and your process. Uh And we will see you this weekend at worship. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform and we'll see you next time.